ESPN Radio. Tyrese Maxey got going again. After 38 in game one, Maxey gets 23. Maxey stepped right, then left, launches the three, and got it. Cook it, Tyrese Maxey. This is his quarter. I think it's just going to get even more physical as the games go on. You know, um, a team that's seen each other, I don't know how many times. We've got to uh, survive some of the physicality. ESPN Radio. There's lots of NBA action tonight. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80 and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99 at AmberW790. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So we know that a lot of eyeballs tonight will be on Nets Seas when that game tips off at 7 p.m. Eastern. But there's a couple other games to look out for tonight as well in the NBA playoffs. The 76ers and Raptors will get it going at 8 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Bulls and the Bucks at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. So, Chris, looking at those two matchups, who is more likely to pull it off here, the Raptors or the Bulls? I came prepared to say the Raptors, Amber, just because knowing the series is shifting up to Toronto, Matisse Thibel is not going to be in the rotation Doc Rivers' bench gets a little bit shorter. That puts more minutes on some of the guys that you've been relying on primarily. And I just don't know that that's what you want, uh, especially after two statement games in Philadelphia if you're the 76ers. So I wanted to say Toronto, but just because they're going to have a different type of energy. But I can't say Toronto. I I just can't. I don't think they have enough with Gary Trent Jr. and the illness he's dealing with, Scotty Barnes with the ankle. It just just feels – Thaddeus Young was a game-time decision. He didn't really play well in game two. I just don't think they have enough. I think it ends up being the Chicago Bulls. And, Amber, I'll say this. You're talking about a seven-point game in game one, and the Bulls shot 32% from the field and 18% from three. What are the chances that an NBA team is going to turn around and do that for a second consecutive game in a playoff series? I don't think it's very high. So I expect the Bulls to shoot much better this, this, uh, this game in game two, and I expect overall a much better effort on the offensive end. They were right there defensively because you're talking about them holding the Bucks to under 100 points, and the Bucks are a team that plays with a lot of pace. So that's an impressive effort. They just got to have the offensive side of things come along, and I do believe that DeMar DeRozan will come alive and give you more than the 18 points that he scored in game one. The Bucks are up on the Bulls uh, one game. The 76ers are up on the Raptors two games. And for that reason, I am actually going to say Toronto. But really only yep. for that reason, because Toronto's <laughs> back is against a wall. We know no team has ever crawled out of a 3-0 deficit. And Toronto's not going to be the first team to do that if they find themselves there. So this is truly a must win. I mean, it's a must win for both of these teams. But it is truly <laughs> a must win for the Toronto Raptors. So I am going to give a team in the Toronto Raptors that I was giving respect when we came into these playoffs as a team that maybe could surprise us, maybe test a team in these playoffs. I'm going to give them enough respect for to say that they will take 
game three, that they will take this game if I'm having to choose between the Raptors and the Bulls. You know, it'll be the first home game at Scotiabank since that 2019 championship season in terms of postseason play. And you Mm -hmm. know that arena is going to be a rockin' for game three because we've seen what that arena can do when that arena is out there winning NBA titles. So for that reason, I do think that it will just be the environment. It will be maybe Thibault not being available as well because this game is in Toronto. It will be backs against the wall and the Raptors will come to play. I do have my concerns about Gary Trent Jr. because he's got a non-COVID related illness like you mentioned and I don't know what that means for him because they do need his scoring. But I just think with the stakes, I'm still willing to give Toronto that sort of respect, Chris. The Bulls though, I mean I understand what you're doing there because the Bulls actually almost surprised me with how much they hung with the Bucks there a little bit in game one. Uh, I, yeah. I just think that this Milwaukee team is too good, frankly. No, I'm with you. I expect Milwaukee to be able to get past this series, but you're talking about this being a three-point game going into the fourth quarter. So by no means was this a runaway for the Bucks. The Chicago Bulls were right there. And let's, let's not forget, Amber, for the majority of this season, the Chicago Bulls were a top five team in the Eastern Conference standings. It wasn't until the end of the regular season after the trade deadline, the last third or so, where they started to fall off. So, I mean, this is a Bulls team that's fully capable, but their star players have got to come to play. I mean, if you look at down the stretch in game one, Nikola Vucevic had a couple of plays that he should have made. It was a layup at point blank range, a wide open shot from deep that he should have knocked down. There were plays to be made that could have changed the complexion of the end of that game and potentially the outcome. So it wasn't as if the Bulls didn't have opportunities down the stretch. They just couldn't take advantage of them because it seemed like the lid was on the basket for them for the entire night. So I just think the Bulls have more firepower to keep pace with what the Milwaukee Bucks have in comparison to the Toronto Raptors trying to match with Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tobias Harris, and um, and Tyrese Maxey are, have been doing in the postseason. So that's the reason why I would lean toward the Chicago Bulls. But let me be clear about one thing, Amber. I don't think the Bulls or the Raptors are going to have a chance to make it out of this round. Like, that's right. not going to happen. Like, this is all about trying to see what the Milwaukee Bucks and what the Philadelphia 76ers can glean from these two series. What kind of things can they work on and improve on as they get ready to take a step up in class in competition? Because that's what's going to be waiting for them in the second round. For the Bucks, it's going to be the winner of the Celtics and the Nets. And for the Philadelphia 76ers, most likely it's going to be the Miami Heat. So that's what I want to see. That's what I'm waiting on. What it ultimately looks like in terms of how these teams close out these series, because that's going to go a long ways to me projecting what we can expect from them in round two. Yeah, to be clear, we're just talking about a game in this series. And we're just talking about this game because our producer Shannon Penn set us up that we had to choose one. So that's the only reason that we're choosing here who may actually surprise us in game two and game three, respectively. I do think Lonzo Ball being out is a huge loss. Was that respectively or respectfully? Respectfully. 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 Uh, So Lonzo Ball, (laughs) obviously, he's out for the Bulls. So that's a problem for the Bulls. Uh, But Chicago did have. 
have success against the Bucks in game one. Uh, they held the Bucks to less than a point per, per possession uh, with mm-hmm. Milwaukee generating fewer assists uh, than turnovers and giving the ball away on more than 20% of their offensive possessions. So the Bulls did, to some degree, have Milwaukee figure it out in game one. And yet, of course, Milwaukee goes on to still win that game. And so, you know, I just, I think I I understand that the bulls here coming off of game one do deserve a lot of credit. And I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility that they take Uh game two. I don't know if I see either the bulls or the Raptors winning tonight, if I'm being perfectly honest, but I just think the backs against the wall, Toronto has to get this done, man. If Toronto doesn't get this done now, then this thing is over. But Toronto, I don't think they can get it done, Amber. I just don't. With the playmaking that we've seen from James Harden, Tyrese Maxey coming into his own, Tobias Harris proving to be a knockdown shooter from deep, and Joel Embiid setting the tone, I don't see a path to victory for the Toronto Raptors. You break it down for me. Give me the X's and O's on what Nick Nurse is going to pull out of his hat in order for the Raptors to have a chance to beat the Sixers. I just don't see it. As much as I love Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, they just don't have enough help. They can't contain those monsters that the Philadelphia Sixers have. The only way the Sixers lose Game 3 in Toronto is if the Sixers decide they want to give away Game 3 to Toronto. And based on what I've seen and how locked in they've been for the majority of the two games this series, I will throw the the exception of the fourth quarter in Game 2 out. But for as dialed in as they've been, I can't see them taking their foot off of the gas right now. I just can't see it. As a matter of fact, Amber, what I've seen in the two games from the Sixers against Toronto has made me change my opinion about who I think can potentially make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's how impressive the two games from Philly have been. Uh, And maybe that says more about the Raptors even than it does about the 76ers. I think we're going to find out the answer to that question tonight. The Raptors would have to. I mean, you asked me about the X's and O's. They'd have to stay out of foul trouble, which has been a big problem for them through the first two games. They would have to find a way to slow down Joel Embiid and defend against Joel Embiid without fouling Joel Embiid. So that seems problematic when we're talking about Joel Embiid, but that's what the game plan would have to be. They would have to play a very, very clean game tonight in Toronto. Toronto and also uh, feed off of that Scotiabank arena crowd that we know that is going to be a hungry crowd, but we will find out tonight. So the 76ers Raptors will tip off 8 PM Eastern bulls bucks. will get it going at 9 30 PM Eastern tonight. Coming up next, does Kevin Durant have to play at an MVP level for Brooklyn to win that series? Plus Tom Brady explains why he felt the need to come back to the NFL. That's next. This is ESPN radio ESPN radio. We are taking it down the stretch here on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty, we've been hanging out with you since 3 p.m. Eastern, and we have had a lot of help doing so. Nick Wagner, ESPN San Francisco's 49ers reporter, joined us to break down this situation with Debo Samuel, who Jeff Darlington broke the news reportedly wants a trade. He told Jeff Darlington personally, apparently, that he wants out of the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll see how that situation Debo is trying to Debo the 49ers to give him a new contract. Interesting. 
Uh, that's what it feels like. Yes, that's that. It feels a Very bit like a negotiating <laughs> tactic here, but we'll see what happens. Sarah Kustak uh, from Yes Network, an NBA analyst, she joined us to talk all things Nets. Nets sees tips off at 7 p.m. Eastern. Coverage begins right here after we get off air here. Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State. He's Florida State's D end. He is one of the top prospects in this year's NFL draft on most uh, mock drafts. He is a top 10 prospect. He joined us earlier. If you miss any of this, please check out the podcast on the ESPN app or wherever you find your podcasts available. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joined us as well. And Mark Kestisher, ESPN radio play-by-play announcer who is on the call for Nets Celtics tonight, he joined us as well. And Chris Canty, it is now time to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is 3 and Out. So I mentioned game two between the Nets and Seas tonight in Boston in front of a hostile Boston crowd that was interacting all game long in game one with Kyrie Irving, who did not take kindly to it. The Nets lost that game by just one point. It was a wild game, a great game by any NBA fans' standards. So it begs the question, though, Chris Canty, tonight, does Kevin Durant have to play at an MVP level in order to get past Boston in game two? Yeah, he does, Amber. I just don't know if Kyrie Irving is going to afford him that opportunity. And what I mean by that is, with the Boston Celtics fans living rent-free in Kyrie Irving's head, I'm not too sure that he doesn't use Game 2 as an opportunity to prove and point in front of the home crowd that they need to stop razzing him if they want their team to even have any remote possibility of trying to prolong this series. That means a lot of shots, a lot of volume from Kyrie on the offensive end, that doesn't necessarily open the door for Kevin Durant to put his imprint on the game. So that's the part that I'm curious to see about. I just don't know with a superstar as deferential as KD can sometimes be that Kyrie Irving, because of the rising from the Boston fans, is not going to allow that to affect how he approaches game two. I don't think there's going to be anything deferential about KD tonight because I think KD okay. recognizes that he has to come to play and make a statement here, and this is going to be a statement game, I think, for the Nets in Boston. Kevin Durant in game one, 23 points, four boards, three assists. By Kevin Durant's standards, that's not good enough. They still only lost that game by one point with that yep. performance from KD not being perfect. And so tonight, I think if you, even if you get a little bit more out of KD, I don't even know if you need an MVP caliber performance from KD, frankly. If you get a little bit more, from KD I think they would have won that game obviously in game one since that game was won on the last second shot from Jason Tatum so you just need a little bit more maybe Kyrie doesn't stay flat-footed and he actually plays some defense there in the final second bada bing bada boom the Nets get a win so I'll say no he doesn't have to play at an MVP caliber level but he has to play better than he did whoa 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 we're assuming that Kyrie Irving 40 again. That's not going to happen, Amber. It's, no, just, I, it's just not. I, I understand. I understand happen. that he probably yeah. is not going to happen, and those guys do seem to take turns there with their monster performances. Yeah. But I also think that you will get still a balanced game from Kyrie, even if it's not 40. Okay. I think Kyrie is still going to be motivated and come to play, if for nothing else than to try to stick it to that Boston but crowd no that he seems to be so Kyrie. obsessed with. No, 
no hostility between Kyrie and the Boston fans, though. No hostility. Oh, uh, well. Respectfully. Uh, respectfully. <laughs> you know, respectfully, uh, I'll make this gesture that I can't make here on ESPN Plus if you're watching, <laughs> but you all know what I was thinking about doing there. Uh, don't worry, bosses. I did not do it. Hell Tom no. Brady also did not do it in addressing anything that has to do with the rumors with Miami Dolphins. Instead, he said that he came out of retirement, Chris Canty, because I just felt like there was still a place for me on the field, quote, unquote. What do you make of Tom saying that that is why his retirement ended after 40 days? I will say this. Tom Brady is looking at his football mortality, and I guess he walked away from it before he wanted to. It seemed like there were a lot of other things that were in his circle that were kind of pulling him away from football. But he realized after about a month and a half that he still had more to offer the game, more to offer the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and quite frankly, more that he wanted to accomplish. Remember, Amber, you know, a few years ago, Tom Brady said he wanted to play till his age 45 season. Well, that would be this year. So I think that's a goal that he was serious about when everybody else laughed. And just so happens that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to afford him that opportunity to come back and do it. So, yeah, I, I think this is probably the last dance for Tom Brady, even though he'll never tell anybody beforehand. But this is his last season. He's acknowledging he doesn't have much left in the tank, but I think you're going to get it all out of him this year. And that's what makes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so damn dangerous going into 2022. I think it's his last season in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform. Uh, I don't know if it's his last season. Maybe it's his last season as a player in the NFL. Maybe not uh, his last season with a relationship with a team in the NFL when he moves down to Miami. But I digress. Wow. Uh, let's move on wow. to baseball. <laughs> Listen, when there's smoke, there's fire, Chris Canty, and there's way too much smoke. Y'all got but... a quarterback. It's Tua. Y'all got Tua. Y'all got Tua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, we'll, we'll see what happens here. A 45-year-old Tom Brady uh, might be might be the move over Tua. Listen, we'll, wow. we'll see what happens that, in the that future. That is a damn shame. Also, the move is is uh, in installing this pitch clock that we've seen now work so effectively in the minors. There has been a noticeable difference, Chris Canty, in pace of play since the minors have enforced pitch clocks for 132 games. Those games shortened by an average of 20 minutes across all levels compared to 335 games without timers this season. Do you like the pitch clock? Amber, I'm here for it. Anything to speed up these games and to have more action. That's what baseball is missing. That's why they have the oldest average fan base of any of the big four professional sports leagues in this country. The game is too slow and there's not enough going on. The pitch clock is an innovation that should be welcomed by all because it's going to allow the game to appeal to a younger fan. I'm the here for The pitch clock it. should be welcomed by all. We like fun. Also should be welcomed by all. Celtics net. Game two is coming up next with Mark Kestesher and PJ Carlissimo on the call.